Welcome to Tavern Talk. I'm here with uh, Matt, and we're getting together today to discuss something a little different from normal. Uh, of course, we're going to talk about his character. The background went up today, so if you get a chance, get over to our website, or if you're using an RSS feed, you can read it right in that. But uh, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about Babries, uh, or Wimble Corrin, as his real name is, and some of you may not know that. And then we're going to get into a few other topics uh, related to the Tavern Talk, such as uh, rogues in 5e, whether or not we feel that they have too many abilities. There's a couple players who are complaining that they're overpowered. Um, and we also hopefully will get into kind of the DM player dynamic. Uh, Matt recently started DMing his first 5e game, and I'd love to hear from him how, him how that's going. So, hey Matt, how are you? Hey Ben, I'm doing really well. Hello everybody. So, um... Matt, what do you want to tell us about Baybreeze? Uh, I, I know all of it's covered in the background, but is there anything that sticks out to you that, like, uh, these are the core features of Baybreeze? Um, I think the core features of Baybreeze is that while I'm a rogue, I feel like I, I, I feel more connected to the pirate part of me in the same way that Reed feels that Quarian is more connected to the noble in him and not necessarily just the wizard. Uh, that's why when we start to... I have noticed, uh, I'm not sure how far we have like released everything, um, but with like certain traps and like, everything like that, Baybreeze, he doesn't tinker very well. Now, Baybreeze is really good at sticking a crowbar in a treasure chest and kicking it open because that's what pirates do, but he's not really good at like picking locks and like doing like little dainty things because even though rogues do that, pirates don't necessarily take the time to be like, well, here, I'm going to unlock this lock. They basically kick the door in. And, right. uh, you know, I kind of feel like with my rogue, it's a, um, it's a class, but the pirate is really what sells Wimble, at least to me. So I don't know. So that's, that's actually a big difference from our experience, uh, before you in Pathfinder, I think just, um, and it's funny that you brought it up. The same thing's probably true with Sam as well. Uh, it's almost as though these personality traits and occupations are, taking over the character instead of their class and i do think about the characters less as the class that they actually are like a lot of times i forget which classes you guys are i forget that a pirate is a type of rogue um and i i don't it's not even a subclass in 5e it's kind of just an occupation that your character chose right what was it a occupation choice in 5e or was it one that you kind of mooched off sailor with it was an occupation choice it actually is sailor but pirate is the like subclass of it um I know that with pirates, you can basically say, well, rather than have the safe passage, I'm going to take this, I can steal things kind of stuff. So when I decide to pick up a bottle of liquor or when I decide to, like, you know, swipe a couple of uh, pints of ale, um, people kind of, like, turn a blind eye whether or not it's because the DM says, well, it's a crowded bar. And, of course, no one's going to miss, like, you know, two things getting picked up off the waitress tray. Or, you know, I'm not necessarily acting like a thug. I'm just acting like a typical guy who just doesn't really care about, you know, paying for things and uh, playing by the rules of society. Uh, but with that, I don't really... Yeah, like, I... And, you know, we've had this discussion before where when, uh, when like, I played um, our pal my paladin in, like, our first big campaign, I really felt compelled to be this holy warrior. And, you know, if, if we did what we did in 5e and even as um my witch name chaga there you go i couldn't think of the name uh even with chaga where i just have like the, that little that odd uh i deliver papers like it just kind of gives him a little bit more flavor than just saying like i'm a crazy witch if i i felt like if i did that with mordecai i wouldn't have been such a diehard oh i'm gonna be a paladin i'm gonna save the people like i felt he was a little too 
he was too stiff to, for me to play, and it, it was hard for me to get any type of um like gameplay out of him. Now whether you know I'm I'm not I'm a new player too compared to the rest of you, so it's hard for me to kind of get into character. But you know when someone's just like a hard ass all the time and like straight edge, it's really hard for me to play that because I'm not like that in real life. <laughs> yeah, I understand, and I don't know if it's just us or um in general, but I I think paladins are a very hard player to play because it just seems like you can't do anything. And um, I don't know, I, I hope that some groups run it differently where the paladins are a little bit more loose and you know people aren't constantly calling out and being like, well, you're lawful goods, you can't do that. Because it just seems like if you're gonna get anything done in real life, let alone in a D&D &D world, you need to have a lot of freedom to make a lot of choices and just accept that there's a lot of moral grace. And obviously we don't have to turn this into a philosophy discussion, oh, yeah. but you know, like it seems like people are being a little too dogmatic with their paladins. And yeah. when it comes down to it, like there's probably tons of paladins in, in the D and D world. How many of them are actually perfect dogmatic paladins? Like I'm sure some of, some of them trained to be a paladin and then decide like, you know what? I, I kind of like women. Oh, I get this thrill from stealing or, you know, hmm. I'm going to go get drunk. Like, you know, that's, that's more real and more role-playing than, the paladin who's perfect you know and also i would say that uh if i ever were to think of a paladin as a as a job i'd say it'd be a cop there's loose cannon cops on the edge all of our favorite action movies have uh loose cannon cops on the edge so you know just because you're a cop doesn't mean you're gonna be sitting behind a desk 40 hours a week you might be blowing up cars and uh you know stealing from the bank to steal the money before the robber can get to it so oh i love it yeah definitely that sounds good. Uh, I had wrote down something you were talking about earlier is uh, you were pointing out the fact that because you're a pirate, you get away with a few petty thefts every now and then. And um, those abilities that we get from our professions in 5e are more mechanical than they've ever been, obviously. Mm -hmm. But um, I know that as a DM, I haven't kept track of them quite as well. So I just wonder, do you feel like you're missing out on a lot of inspiration? And is it something that you realize is missing? Or because we never played with it, you kind of just go, oh, you know, I'm just playing my character. I don't need inspiration. Well, you know, I really feel like I don't need inspiration. I would love to have a bonus uh, advantage whenever I get it. So feel free to throw them out. Um... I want to. That's why I bring it up. <laughs> it's something that, I, you know, I think I told you guys at the start of last session that I want to remember to do this, but I can't see the opportunities for some reason. Like, I, I think I treat you guys as fairly as I can as far as your professions go, but when I treat you fairly, I'm just like, you got your bonus for having your profession. That's what I'm supposed to give you, right? And I forget that, you know, oh, good role-playing. Let's reward this with inspiration. So, I, I, yeah, I wondered if, if, if it was something you guys were noticing or if we're all just kind of blind to it and hopefully we'll get the hang of it because I like it. I mean, it's something I've been attracted to. I think it's a good thing. I'm all about positive reinforcement, so. Right. Well, I definitely say that um, with inspiration points, I don't know how much, you know, like, spoiler alerts you want to get into, um, but when we had that fight where a certain somebody uh, got really injured, and I think you know what kind of injury I'm talking about, not just HP injury, um, that could be a part for inspiration points because you know that's that's all that's all wordplay. That's not like in the game um, what happened uh, when it comes to you know uh, when I use the iconic line of like here's Babries kind of thing. Like that's not yeah. It's it's a little fun stuff. I don't know like what's considered inspiration. There's no. There's no written thing of inspiration. It's about role playing, and I think that our group has gotten a lot better recently, especially with uh, our backgrounds at role playing. So it's kind of it's kind of hard to find that balance of well, what's inspiration and what's just you playing the game. 
So, you know, throw it where you see fit. Um, I don't feel like I'm lacking it. Uh, I really don't even think about it until you ever talk about it. Uh, you know, inspiration to me is just, I'm inspired to play my character because I like my character, which is, it's a nice change. So it's the classic, I don't need reinforcement to do something that's already reinforcing. And that's good, I get that. Um, and we probably shouldn't be playing with people who aren't naturally reinforced by, you know, playing Dungeons and Dragons. So I guess that's another good point. But uh, the episode that you're referring to, I think, is going to air the Sunday before this episode. So uh, I'm pretty sure everyone will know what you're talking about then, but we'll, we'll keep it vague as is in yeah. case someone tunes in and doesn't tune into the episode. Um, another aspect that I'd like to touch on, I know that we're kind of getting away from Babries, but that's fine. Hopefully we'll get back to them. <laughs> um, one thing that I've noticed around the table, uh, and it's not, it's not everyone, but a lot of us are starting to think and see that the rogue might be pretty powerful at this low level compared to some of the other classes. Do you feel that yourself? Um, I, I guess it's hard for you because you're you're only playing from from the perspective of a rogue. But how do you feel that your power level is? And, and I think again, referring to an episode that's just going to load, like, would you get like an eight kill streak and no one else killed anything? Um, well, you know, I was actually counting some tallies up at uh, work today. Uh, aside from doing my actual job, because you know that's important too. Uh, and it looks like I, I mean I. You know, I was just going over some things, and I killed just about as many as Morva did. I just haven't gone down, and I think a lot of that is because my AC is, is uh, 15 because I'm small, so I get an extra plus one, and I have a plus four on my dexterity, uh, or a plus three on my dexterity, and I also have uh, 11 because of my light armor. So it doesn't feel like it's really overpowered. Um, I haven't gone down because I've been—I mean, I've been down to like two to four HP pretty consistently and i think that you've seen that and then when that happens i stay back a little bit but i don't i'm not afraid of getting in the fray and kind of playing the chance game i think i've gotten kind of lucky and uh the more i look through the monster manual to kind of look for um to look for monsters in my own experience i'm noticing that you know the cr one half cr one one quarter um all of those have like a plus four in their attack so that means that you as a DM would have to roll over an 11, so it's like a 45% chance on average, I'd say, to, for you just to hit me. So while that might be a little bit of like metagaming kind of thing, um, and like I said, I'm just kind of noticing this like as I've been looking through it over the past couple days, so after our last play session, but I'm noticing that uh, with rogues, it takes a little bit more for you to hit me, and in the same way that Morva has like a 17 AC. So he's been just tanking, because he's been getting hit and he has damage reduction. So, you know, the DM is putting all of the focus on the tank, who is arguably in the face of all the creatures, so why wouldn't they attack it? Um, but when he wasn't there, when we fell down into the forest, uh, you know, we had a person go down. And I was pretty close to going down myself, too. I think I hear you there on, on the point about the AC and the HP, and no one's really complained about that. I think it's more just about the damage dealing. Oh, so it's like, perfect. It's perfectly fine. I need more damage. I need you to give me more advantage rolls so I can yeah. get more sneak attack. Uh -huh. um, how You know what? I don't think it's uh, OP as much as um, the spellcasters, uh, especially Sam. He has a very strong uh, cantrip. Um, the spellcasters aren't using level one spells really for damage. They're not healing either. So, you know, when they're forced to use fireball, which is just a D10 or a D12 uh, in Quarian's case, he doesn't have any modifiers on his. 
and the and the higher up we get, the more spells they get. Yeah. I have all I have is I have the same exact attack every single time, and these guys are gonna have um, very powerful spells in their arsenal with different elements. And until I get a better weapon, you're gonna see me deteriorate over time until I start getting equipment that catches up. Sure. So let's talk about just your character because comparing to the other characters is still rough because there's a lot of concessions that can be made about you know the spellcasters sometimes still have to roll to hit and they only get two spells both of them you know so there's there's not a lot of spellcasting going on even if they are powerful and that's carried over from pathfinder so the experience has been the same at least for us in spellcasting uh if we talk about just kind of some of the components of your rogue though the ability to move in and out of combat to avoid damage Mm -hmm. and then um the average amount of damage dealt so um if I understand correctly, you're rolling with a rapier right now, which is a D8, and um, because everything's finesse now, you're now getting dex damage stacked on top of that. So that's like a D8 plus three or a plus four. Uh, I think it's a D8 plus four right now. Okay, so um, a D8 plus four, and you get to move in, attack, move out. Now, um, comparatively to Pathfinder, we may have sent this online before, but this used to require three feats in tenth level to be able to do. So, you know, you may you may deteriorate over time, and you might be true about that, but I kind of want to run through these numbers and see where it's at. So move in, move out, D8 plus 4. And then um, your opportunity for sneak attacks is also much higher in this edition. But sneak attack only adds 1D6 damage, is that correct? Sneak attack only adds 1D6 damage currently, yes. And it will scale up at level, I think, 3. Okay. Do you know if it's every other for your sneak attack? Uh, I'll take a look right now. Sure. So, um... I was going to talk while you while you take a look here. The um so one three five seven I believe is how it used to be, and um just that scaling alone seems like enough damage to keep you moving even if you never got a new weapon. Uh, it just I mean I guess some of it may be party attributed that you get to have Morva in there, but I feel like every party has a fighter or a barbarian. So I just wonder if we can come up with some of your shortcomings as a rogue, like where you're hurting. Uh, what's your hit dice for your rogue when you're there? Uh, my hit dice is 1d8. Okay. I, I was scared if it was a d10. So a d8, that, that's, that's a pretty fair hit dice. Mm-hmm. And it goes up every other level sneak attack. So it's 1d6 at first level, 2d6 at third level, five at third, or 3d6 at fifth level, etc. And you never get a second attack, right? Or do you? Uh, and I, I think I was I was looking up the dual wielding because it looks like rogues have two types of rogues. Uh, they have the I'm going to have two weapons and guarantee that I get my sneak attack, or they're going to have a rapier um, or like some kind of other finesse weapon. Um, because you can have two short swords, and it's actually in the uh, class features you can have two short swords as your starting equipment. I decided to go for daggers and a rapier, so. When I was looking at that, you basically have two attacks while your right hand or your your primary hand, for me it's right, uh, you would get the strength bonus or the dex bonus, depending on what kind of uh, weapon you're using. On your left hand or your off hand, you would not get that bonus, but you still get the same attack bonus as well. So you have twice the amount of chances to get that sneak attack bonus, it looks like, with, but the thing is you're using up your bonus actions, so you're not as nimble. So let me ask, um, I don't quite understand, how do you get a sneak attack by holding two weapons? Is it no longer reliant on having another and uh, another adjacent character to the enemy? Same exact um, principle as if you're using one weapon. It's just that you can only use sneak attack once a turn. So if you have two attacks, so say that I'm, I'm, I'm going to be rolling two attacks, 
pretty much I have advantage on I I quote have two attacks when everybody else only has one using my standard attack my, like my standard action and my bonus action so and any class can do this you don't have to be proficient in any type of thing you just have to have um, I believe they're light weapons uh, light weapons can be used as dual wielding yeah. so so I still need to have somebody next to it or I still have to have advantage on my attack rolls but because of this, this means that I now have twice the twice the chance to deal sneak attack damage because a short sword, which is primarily primarily the closest thing in damage dealing to a rapier that's light, is one d six, whereas a rapier is one d eight. So right. your rapier, you're giving a higher chance of just like a base attack with less chance of hitting your sneak attack, um, but you're also still keeping that bonus action of moving. So there is a trade-off if you want to do that as a rogue. Yeah, so let me just sum that up. You're saying that you have two opportunities to hit, and you need to hit once to get sneak attack. Is that right? Correct. Okay, and then you're also saying that if you do use two-up in fighting, you have to use up your bonus action, which means you can no longer disengage and get out of the fray or dash. Correct, but you could also sneak attack on your first attack. So you just do two, like you do one d six for your short sword plus the one d six for your sneak attack, and then say, well, I got my sneak attack in, so I'm just gonna disengage and get out, which is kind of like meta gaming slash power gaming because if your character has two weapons, why would he run in, hit, and be like, oh, you know what? I feel like that's enough damage, and then leave. That's not something that you know a, a normal person would do if they were fighting somebody. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, is the short sword finesse or no? Short sword, I believe, is finesse, and I can give you an answer in about like five seconds. Okay. So the short sword is. I'm on page 149. I have it memorized. It's so disgusting. Um, a finesse and light, and it does 1d6 piercing damage. Okay. Good to know. Interesting. It's funny that they don't have P slash S there, because I feel like, you know, in in the past, if a weapon could do many different forms, depending on the shape of the weapon, they'd offer different types of damage types. And I don't see why a short sword can't do slashing, but that's interesting. Right. Oh, and I'll also say that, uh, you know, you ask if I feel like I'm overpowered with the rogue. Um, rogues can only use simple weapons and a spattering of uh, martial melee weapons, like the rapier and such. Um so with the marshal, there's no bludgeoning weapon. So I know there are creatures that we have faced that have bludgeoning damage, mm -hmm. um, and or bludgeoning, or the resistant to everything except for bludgeoning. There you go. Yes. Uh, so I would have to basically use um, like a great claw, which I don't think I can use with uh, my finesse. And there's no finesse. Uh, there's no finesse bludgeoning weapons. Correct. And there is a plenty, there's plenty of simple weapons that you would be able to use. So you'd lose your finesse bonus, but the same would be true for a character who has strength. Or, or Well, is it true that finesse weapons can use strength or dex? I forget. They can use strength or dex, but the okay. only finesse weapons in the simple are a dagger, which is still piercing. And it looks like that's it. So I wouldn't be able to use my dexterity bonus if I was like, well, I'm going to use a club instead of using a sword. So actually... Baybreeze using a rapier pretty much consistently is dealing more damage because I have my higher chance to hit and a higher damage base than if I were to use something that didn't have damage reduction anyway. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. And you're going off the idea that it's going to be halved, but you're already getting like a plus six on average. Yeah. So that, that, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense as to why um, you'd stick with that. 
uh, I wanted to move on to some of the, I guess, overarching game stuff, kind of like your experience with DMing. Do you have any thoughts, though, um, that I haven't given you the chance to speak about related to Bay Breeze? Um, well, with Bay Breeze, I, you know, I, when I listen, I finally listened to other people's uh, backgrounds. And, um, you know, you were asking them about would they want to meet their families, would they want to do all of, uh, you know, the side, like, mission stuff. I still have my little horse that I'm kind of wondering about. But it's really taking a, you know, it's taking a back seat, and rightfully so, because of, you know, the pressing issues with the moon and the pressing issues of, um, you know, my party. Uh, I've said multiple times that the, a pirate goes with his crew. So wherever, you know, my new crew is deciding to go, I'm going to go with them. And um, I don't, you know, my my pirate family was closer to me than my actual family. Uh we don't. We haven't really talked about this in the game, and I don't think we ever really have to. But you know, Bay Breeze ran away from his home for adventure. He didn't run away because he was like afraid of anything. He just decided, I want to live a life of adventure, not live a life of mediocrity in a wood farming town. So I feel like I'm not gonna ever really decide that I need to go back there. My family was my pirate crew, but I have a new family now, um, and a new pirate crew, which is you know the group that we're rolling with now. So, you know, it's just kind of stuff like that with Babries that I feel like I'm a little bit, it's, it's more fun to play, it's a little bit more casual, and it can get as serious as it wants to, but, you know, it's just like in life, we, we all have our serious sides, but we don't need to live in it constantly. So I like that Babries can be a breath of fresh air. Yeah, I've noticed that a lot of you seem to be making concessions for the story to move forward. And that's not something that any of you seem to be like upset about. Do you think that's the case here, though, where you're saying like my backstory, it can take a back seat. Let's just uh, see see where this takes us, and I won't push my personal agenda. Yeah, I mean, I don't really mind all too much. What you know what did stick with me though, when Morva said that Babies drinks too much, I felt a little attacked because he's drinking like twice that I can count, and he even. You know, a pirate a pirate drinks with his crew after a good a job well done. He had to throw the celebratory blue ice to save his uh, to save the group, and yeah. no one even thanked him for it. So that's pretty that's pretty rough. You know, no one understands Babries the way Babries understands Babries. I'm so sorry to hear that. That's yeah. that must be very very trying for you. Uh, let's get into DMing if you're ready. Sure. Oh, oh, actually, I have a. I figure now would be fun, so anyone who's listening to this episode gets a little perk, and I thought I'd throw at you now. Your character has another horse that he found, so I'll just let you sit on that for a while, but I just think it's so funny because you found another horse, and you just haven't looked at it yet or realized it yet, so hopefully hopefully you'll get a chance too soon. <laughs> Wait, when did I find it? Was it in the treasure chest? Um, no, no, no. It's, it's not in the final treasure chest it was an a treasure chest right okay that's weird all right well you know i figured if if i'm, I'm gonna just have to point it out at the start of our next session i have to be like okay you look at this a little bit deeper and that's one of those things that like you know I, we're getting into dming so this is i think this is a good topic a dm wants a player to look into things but a player doesn't expect detail everywhere have you had that experience as a dm where you're kind of like Ooh, examine this or explore this and they're kind of like oh this is just that like who cares let's move on like i, I don't know how I've you had, write but i've actually had the exact opposite where i've said 
okay, you guys are now leaving the town and you're going across these uh, farmlands and now you're going to go up the mountain. And the party, rather than being like, well, you know, I'm just going to go up to the mountain where they said, oh, it's going on this farm over here and let's just try to bed down for the night and talk to the farmer. And I'm like, you're supposed to press on. So I had to just kind of make up a farm uh, scenario where they helped a farmer and got a free place to stay. Um, but then there's also a time when I said that... Uh, when they were staying at the tavern, I'm like, you guys are allowed free night's rest. You just have to help out with, uh, you know, serving like the mem like you know, serving the people and like you know, holding the door for people, um, you know, while my wife is in town doing her thing. And they're like, where's the wife? I haven't met the wife. And I'm like, quit asking about the guy's goddamn wife. You know? See, like I love that. <laughs> That's like I have so many great memories of D and D where we did that, where we just kind of had everything that made it a truer and real story kind of come off the cuff from the dm because the players asked for it so maybe we just need to like switch groups because like anymore like you guys are so um you know and maybe it's not everyone but it feels like everyone's so driven and they're like drivenness is like almost not human it's almost like objective a complete objective b complete and you know obviously like i'm only pointing out the bad because it's a time to discuss and talk about it um, and there's tons and tons of good like the role playing has been some of the best I've seen in a long time from our group and I'm really happy about that and the, the cohesiveness of the group and you know we don't have to mush but you know I don't know I, I hope you savor that I hope you start to enjoy like the characters decide something's more important than you did and then you say like I'm going to run with that and like make that important because they want it and it's important to them like with you guys I'm like what do you guys want and they're like eh, I don't know just, just give us stuff like <laughs> well and not to uh, play the bad guy in this, but when you when you're writing a story, you have to have a reason for the party to do what they're doing. Um, in our story, we have lycanthropes trying to kill people, and we have Mythalite telling us, "What are you doing? You have to stop. You, you guys can't. You guys can't deliver these horses and uh, take part in little fun festivities." So when the DM is running NPCs who you're just playing an NPC um, are telling us you cannot have the luxury of doing what you want to do. You do not have the luxury of exploring things you want to explore. Um, that's the DM's discretion and that's the DM's way of telling people, hurry up, you are needed to take care of this thing. Yeah, I, I think what happens is I think you guys are so used to thinking every word that comes out of my mouth is the word of God. And it's never that way. And, and it wasn't before. I, I think we're taking the game seriously in a way that like we, we didn't before. And that's what I, I, I want to talk about because your players, they've got it. Like D&D's fun. It's a game. And yeah. you guys can blow off Mytha. Like I told you guys, like do the tree thing, do the food eating contest, blow her off. Oh, because, we did. Yeah. And, yeah. And what is she doing? She's playing her character. If she didn't play her character, then what's the point in her being a character at all? So you guys are saying like, oh, the NPC is telling us not to do this. Who cares what the NPC says? Do what you guys want to do. It's almost like there's like a level of respect for an NPC that's due to the DM. And, I've, and a lot of times it's funny because I feel like the DM gets less respect than the NPCs do in the actual <laughs> game. You know what I mean? That's so true. Like, I, I really hope like, you know, just one-on-one just -on -one here personally, like you'll start saying like, my fun comes first and it has nothing to do with the rules it has everything to do with role playing because when it comes to the rules obviously like we need to get on we get it we got to keep playing we can't take it personally when a rule changes or something's like not the way that we expected it to be but yeah right. like you know npcs are going to play their characters if an npc wants you guys to all kill yourself you guys going to kill yourself you know what i mean no and that's true and that's there's a reason why there's a reason why i did the tree climbing contest when no one else wanted to 
if I didn't want to do the tree climbing contest, it would have sat there undone. I was just like, oh, you know, let me try, let me try climbing. And then once I found out it was um, athletics, not acrobatics, I was like, I regret this immediately. <laughs> this is the exact so opposite bad. of Mordecai. <laughs> yeah. Um, but when it also comes time to inner party arguing, uh, with Mythalite, I was more than happy to let her die. I, I mean, I, this is just honest. When we were in the cellar, I'm more than happy to let her die and say, fine, you know, Corin, this is on your hands. I try to save her. You don't want to save her because you don't trust people. That's all you, and that's that's her life on your hands. I'm also not afraid to kill the son of a guy because I don't know who he is, and he's the first dude who uh, seems to be the ringleader in attacking you know this old man. So, Bay Breeze is a take action first, and you have to live with the consequences. And um, I feel like that's the way I like to play. I like to personally play Dungeons and Dragons. A lot of people like to play uh, a little bit more like. Fine, like you know finesse oriented i'm not a really finesseful kind of guy and i i enjoy doing mythos quest because not not because i'm like well you know she's the npc and her word is law but i'm like the party said that they were going to help mytha out um until we either say mytha you know what go pound sand we don't care about your lycanthropes anymore and at that point we have no we have no reason of existence and like no like cohesive bond in our party um, so that's why I don't mind saying like, well, there's nothing I want to do. I have no money. Um, I'm, I'm drinking, I'm, I'm having fun. I'm swashbuckling. Like what else does, what else do I need as a player? What else do I need as a character? Yeah, that's so. good. That that's, I'd love for everyone to do that, you know, and obviously like follow a quest because that's your story, but you know, swashbuckle and drink and have a good time. Like, obviously, do, do you ever feel like this is kind of your quest because it was your mural and, uh. I feel like there was a couple other connections there that like really led you guys into this. Like, how did you guys end up getting into that? Um, well, with the mural thing, I think I've mentioned once that I think that I'm pretty sure that the, the mural was about werewolves. And when I, I made the comment, no one said anything about it. And I have not ever brought out that piece of paper. Cause I think I like threw the paper out. I'm like, crumble like, yeah, whatever. I know what it is now. Mystery solved, you know, like you don't, you know, Sherlock Holmes doesn't go back to a mystery and say, huh, I solved it. Let me <laughs> yeah. ponder over it. Like, he just lives his life. So, um, So, your mission's done. Well, my mission with that's done. My mission to know what it is is done. But my mission to know what the horse isn't done. Uh, but this mission takes precedence because this is a group of four players, I think. Yeah, four players that have a mission that they've gotten involved with to help save people. And I've seen the way werewolves have come to try to kill me. And I've seen people physically attack me and try to take this moonstone and try to kill innocent kids. So I don't, I mean, I, I don't really know what else there is to say. It seems like a perfectly logical thing for babies to do. Sure. So um, go ahead. Like, what, what do you have to talk about DMing wise or um, challenges, things that you've really been rewarded by? We'll, we'll finish up with that. Okay. Uh, do you mind if I start with a... This might be a difference of opinion between you and I as well, um, and I'm perfectly fine with that. Uh, with our DC skill checks, um, we've had an issue where you before when we originally started playing, you said that the DC is going to pretty much be stuck to the book, and that you know 10, 15, 18, 20 is like you know that kind of difficulty class. Um, this isn't Pathfinder anymore, and people aren't hyper skills with their. Uh, plus 10, you know, skill bonus at level 2, 3. 
Um, my highest thing is acrobatics at plus six. So like, when I have my party play, when I'm like, you know what, I want my I want my difficulty class to be ten because somebody should be able to get through it. Um, and then I'm thinking, well, I want fifteen. I want to be one or two people to get past it, and the people who are specializing it maybe get past it and give people who aren't specialized in it, you know, a 30% chance to pass because they probably have a plus one on wisdom or something. Um, I try to make my difficulty checks easier and I don't, I don't have them every, like at the turns that we have, I feel like we do a lot of uh, skill challenges or not skill challenges, but like, you know, a lot of like skill uses. And after the, uh, there was at one point where I had to disarm a trap and I'm like, after the whole thing was done, I was like, why didn't I just cut the bag open from the bottom and just avoid the, you know, how, I'm like, how, and I was thinking how tough is that trap, but also I, I knew I rolled really low. So it's kind of like a little bounce between everything. Yeah. So why don't, why don't we get some of the facts? Because I looked that stuff up after you had disagreed with me about it. Right. And I, I did use the, from the book DCs. So okay. page 174. Uh, well, yeah, let's go over this page 174. If you want to make something very easy, which means every single character is going to pass it is five. If you want to make something easy, which means they're going to pass it on their first try, most likely is 10. Medium's 15, and then hard's 20. And on one occasion for a secret door, which is, I think, in the episode that just passed, I made it 23. Because it's a super hidden secret door that no one's ever found. So your character shouldn't just walk on the scene and find it. You know what I mean? Like, that, that doesn't make sense. This, this People have been looking for this door for years and years and years. And it's like, you know, a hidden thing. Well, I guess not years, but but for a while now. And then very hard hits 25. So between hard and very hard was the one DC that we had a disagreement about. And it was off mic, so I don't think the characters will get the... Or I'm sorry, the listeners, the characters, will get to hear about it. But besides that, like uh, a DC 15 standard, and I think anything from 15 to 20 is fair game, unless you want almost every single character to get it. You know what I mean? Oh, and I get that. And it's just, it's tough when you're saying a 23 DC. Yes. Um, When we all have our plus six... Like, our highest things are plus six with our proficiency bonus and with our highest skill. So, when I'm doing that, and, like, when three of us roll 18s and the last guy failed because his skill bonus was only, like, plus five, and or, like, you know, I think you were, like, a 17 or something. Like, that's just a ridiculously hard DC. Um, and I get, and, like, you know, when you say the, the story kind of thing, I'm like, yeah, it makes sense now that... You say, like, yeah, it's a super secret door. But, like, in my mind, I'm thinking, we're the hero characters in this world. So when I build when I build my world for my players, they're, the, they're supposed to be the heroes. Like, what might be hard, like, what might be nigh impossible for, you know, Joe Blow down the street to find a secret door in a mountain. These people are heroes, and not only are they meant to do it because of their high skill, they're also meant to do it because they're meant, like, they are the heroic characters who are meant to find this particular thing that nobody else has and become the heroes that the world needs. Yeah, that that's I, I, I totally hear that and that's really cool. And what I want to do is I want to kind of end on this, but um, I'm going to give a quick, my quick synopsis of that whole entire idea and I'd love for you to finish it up, see how you're feeling and then close this out because sure. uh, we're, we're running a little long. But um, I will say this, Matt, we played a lot, a lot of campaigns, like, you know, close to 30 campaigns. Um, and you'll find that at third level, characters can't be heroic or by the time they hit 15 they're no longer they're either still the same heroism like there needs to be a lot of failure at low levels i found and again this is almost just like my dm style it's Mm. like third level characters you know they're not heroes yet they want to be but they're just you know they're adventurers 
And because of that, like there's a lot, a lot of failure so that when you get better later, you can actually say like, oh man, like I can do that now. And um, I, I guess like that, that's really all there is to it. Like I'm totally cool with everyone failing something that uh, an NPC was going to pass for them anyway. And only on the case that it was like extra special did they actually pass it at such low level. And then the other thing obviously is that like we both have very differing views on, on gaming in general, where like I love a game that's a little bit more punishing. Um, and I think that you may, it, it sounds like you prefer games that are rewarding and empowering. And yeah. uh, obviously like that, that makes it very hard for you when you play my games. It makes it easy for me when I play your games because like everyone likes <laughs> to be empowered anyway. You know what I mean? Like you, when you ran your one D&D session and we got to be like these 11th level characters with like ungodly abilities, like it was so cool, like, you know, obviously. But yeah, I, I want a story progression. I want character progression. And you can't get that if you're always winning. You have to lose. And uh, I hope you guys don't feel like you lose too often, like this campaign especially. Like I've been trying to make it so you guys win more often and feel good more often. But I don't know. So go ahead. Uh, tell me how you feel. Anything else you want to add on and then close this out for the listeners? Sure. Um, I like I like having a challenge and that makes a lot of sense. Um, I've only played, I think this is my fourth or fifth campaign. Uh, the first one I died in the first dungeon, I was like, I rage quit. <laughs> so that's the kind of, like, you know, that's the kind of player classic. I am too. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I I do enjoy the difficulty, and I definitely have seen a lot more character progression with Bay Breeze. Um, even starting to be a little bit more Chogger, and that's also a progression of me as a player. Um, as a DM, I'm really enjoying the new system. Um, it's really fun learning how to make uh, the battles, and in the same way of you saying that you want to revisit challenges, I actually have been planning on revisiting uh, fighting characters where the party might only be able to fight one CR at level two when they're at level two, but later on they're going to be able to fight a group of them. And at the first when they were holding off one just barely, later on they're going to be able to hold off three or four of them with not relative ease, but with a little bit more class and finesse, and that's what's going to make them heroes and set apart from people who have never fought these before. Yeah, that's classically um, good writing. I'm glad that you're doing that. That's really good. Yeah. Uh, and I'm really having a great time, um, you know, not to like, you know, fluff you up a little bit, but it's just been a really good time. Uh, the party has been a lot more cohesive than the past, and it has definitely taken us a lot of play hours to finally have a, um, and a lot of character development hours to finally have a party that is welcome to one another and is friendly, let alone cohesive in battles, which is starting to finally happen too, which is really nice. Um, so at the end of this, I want to thank everybody for listening to the podcast. If there is anything else about, uh, Wimble or Bay Breeze you guys would like to know, uh, feel free to ask me at pathlesspod.com. I am also on Twitter as well. Uh, so I'll be more than happy to, um, answer anybody's questions. Uh, feel free to read the character bio. And if you guys ever want to see any kind of battles and, uh, situations that I do, uh, for my campaigns, feel free to let me know uh, at contact at pathlesspod.com and I'll be more than happy to start releasing that on the Pathless Pod uh, website as well. Yep, thank you guys so much and thank you Matt for uh, sitting through this. I'm, I'm crabby obviously so I, I hope everyone still had fun. Everyone have a good night. <laughs>